As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, we at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the ways that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to first-hand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how this crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to your customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash why food. Hello and welcome to Why Food, a podcast about entrepreneurs, innovators, and career changers. Uh, we're doing a, a little bit of a different kind of episode this week. It'll just be me, your co-host, Ethan Frisch, and... Also me, your co-host, Valerie Wallace. <laughs> hey, everyone. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world, uh, and we right. wanted to talk about it um, without a guest necessarily, just kind of between the two of us. Yeah, and we are both career changers, so I think we are qualified uh, to still uh, fit in the parameters of our podcast. And we have both been guests on our own podcast in, in one way or another, so uh, so fine, check that box, we're good. So, um, yeah, th- this has been, honestly, it's it's been a difficult several months, obviously with the pandemic. I would say it's been a, diff- a, a difficult several weeks with the compounded, seemingly constant assault on black humanity and black lives. But starting with Breonna Taylor, the woman who was killed in Louisville, there have still been no arrests made on that. Um, Amy Cooper, who, you know, called the cops on the, on the, the guy who was just watching birds in Central Park because he asked her to leash his dog. And then George Taylor kind of was the tipping point, I think, where a lot of frustration and anger kind of spilled over into what we're seeing now, which is people with major platforms and companies um, realizing that this is bigger than than what it's been before. It feels like the moment is bigger. Yeah. And I mean, that the, the sort of impulse by a lot of companies, whether they're media companies or, or product companies, uh, to, to sort of go through this process of virtue signaling, right? Like to post a black square on Instagram, which is almost worse than the absolute minimum that, that you could do. Uh, but but this idea that there's there's immediately this this connection between corporations and and this movement or corporations are trying to 
I don't know, tack, uh, get pulled along by the movement or show their support or, um, I mean, even my own corporation, right? Like I posted a picture from a protest that I was at on my official Burlap and Barrel Instagram account. Um, uh, and and I think for, for a lot of food entrepreneurs or whether that's, whether right, whether you have a company like mine or a, a business like yours, it, it's, it puts us in an awkward position or it creates an awkward situation that we have to navigate. Yeah, and I think I think what we shouldn't lose sight of here, um, because I do agree, there has been a lot of virtue signaling, which is kind of a buzz phrase that people have been using a lot. I had to look it up to make sure I, I was understanding exactly what people were trying to say with this phrase. Um, but virtue signaling is basically where you're trying to show that you have some kind of, um, you know, moral high ground, so to say, um, which I do agree um, the, the black square did kind of indicate, um, but we're seeing a lot of these buzz phrases and we are, we are also seeing a lot of, um, I don't know if attempts at activism is the right phrase, but we are seeing a lot of trends. And I would consider what happened with the, the black squares on Instagram um, I would consider that a trend, and I would question. I would question corporations and even individuals um, who posted that, following the trend, um, who ha who have not historically had practices where they um, where they show it, where they have shown that they care about inclusivity, that they care about diversity that they amplify, they make it a priority to amplify other people's voices. And I know that this week we have been focusing specifically on the quote unquote BIPOC community, which is also a new buzz phrase that I had to Google. Ethan, do you know what BIPOC stands for? Yeah, Black Indigenous People of Color. Yeah, when did the, do you know when this came into um, popular usage? Because- I mean <laughs> I came across it probably a, a couple of years ago, some, somewhere, something like that. Uh, so it's not brand, brand new, but I, I don't think it's been around a long time. Right, right. Um, so yeah, so this week's this week suddenly became about um, amplifying black voices and the and specifically the the BIPOC community. Although I do I do wonder um, what we are doing to amplify indigenous people of color or if we have kind of looped these two very different groups together, um, I'm not sure why, but I'm sure there might be an explanation that I can research. But um, but yeah, so I think the question is, if, if you're following a trend, but you haven't historically um, promoted these voices or, or even done something as simple as make sure your brand is inclusive in their hiring practices and where they spend their money and making sure they're not appropriating cultures without giving them credit. So, um, Ethan, I know you mentioned you posted a picture of a protest on Burlap and Barrel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would look at your brand and say, um, you know, part of the mission of your brand is to celebrate the diversity in which we get our food supply, which is something that our guest last week, Stephen Satterfield of Whetstone Magazine, does specifically. So, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went back and forth quite a bit. And actually, I had decided that I, even prior to going to that protest, I had decided that I wasn't going to post on the Broad Barrel Instagram about it. I, I could post on my personal account, but I wasn't going to try to pretend that the business had a, I don't know, had a, had a mission of uh, anti-racism, which I, I think it does, but it's, it's buried deep, uh, not that deep, but it's mm. buried. It's not, it's not our top line mission. Um, right. right. And I think there are elements of it that we've baked in, uh, but it's not, you know, that's not, that's not what we're not an anti-racist uh, sort of a, a company fighting for anti-racism actively. We hope right. that it, it can be inherent in the work, the day-to-day work that we do. Um, and I didn't want to, pre- I didn't want to pretend to be something that I wasn't or we weren't. Um, and I definitely didn't like the black squares. Uh, so I had told Ori uh, I wasn't going to post. Um, but as I was watching social media unfold uh, that evening and seeing seeing a lot of companies and a lot of individuals doing the bare minimum, right? Like reposting a black square. Um, Do you think that's the bare minimum or is that... Is that the, is that where we are? Is that the bare minimum reposting a black square with with maybe no caption that even signals some introspection? Yeah, exactly. I think it's a super easy way to to pretend to be doing some work, to claim some credit for that you may not deserve. Um, and and seeing so for me seeing all of those posts that I found really frustrating, and as you mentioned earlier, often uh, at odds with ways that I'd seen that company behave in the past, whether intentionally or not, um, I felt like it was important to say, no, actually, as a company or as individuals within a company, we can be doing more than just acknowledging what's going on. And um, and I don't know, you can, I, I agonized quite a bit over what the caption should be. I didn't want it to sound like I was boasting about having been to a protest. That's not something uh, that I think is, is boast-worthy. Um, I wasn't looking for credit for doing it, but I wanted to acknowledge that I, as a, a co-founder and employee of my company, had spent a day of company time and will spend more company time um, participating in in actions for Black Lives Matter, and and that could be a protest. That could be other things too. You know, this week it's protesting, right. um, and yeah. and even it's also important that you're a white man that is at these protests because what we know because we've seen this in the past um i mean black people can we can be out there protesting until we're blue in the face and it's not going to make a lick of change until it is actually bigger and louder and broader than one specific community um that's just the way our country has worked in the past with bringing about change and i imagine if we are going to get any real change, which is what I would consider at a minimum uh, legislation, um, making it so that, you know, if you, if you engage in this extremely racist behavior, like calling the police, um, you know, with the intent of hurting someone or, or as a, as an enforcer of the law, if you, um, you know, if you engage in behavior that escalates violence, that we as citizens of this country have some kind of legal protection and there's actual legislation with teeth legislation with enforcement power that 
that can protect us. That's that's one that's one way of real change I see. But again, that that's my lawyer side talking. But <laughs> but as far as like um, businesses, particularly food businesses, um, you know, Ethan, I think I think posting a picture of a protest of you attending a protest. I think that is important and that should be shared. That's the type of thing that I think will encourage and inspire other people to be a part um, of the movement in an active way opposed to, um, you know, opposed to a way that, I mean, I don't want, and listen, I don't want to, I don't want to crap on anyone who truly took a moment and thought about things um, and maybe they hadn't done that before. Maybe they, maybe there are people who hadn't thought about how racism impacts um, so many people in this country's life on a daily basis and definitely not just black people and not just black and indigenous people. Um, if people took that moment and thought about it, that's an amazing first step. But I think you're, that would hurt. Go ahead, Ethan. Well, I, I, you're, you're maybe more forgiving, or I'm less forgiving than you are. I, I don't think. I like, guess people are just first thinking. Step, first well, step. <laughs> yeah, but what, like, what's, what, why, why, why is their first step this week? Like, where have they been for the rest of their lives? This is not a, this is not a new issue. This is not an, an issue that hasn't been out of the news really at any point in the last, uh, I don't know, twenty years, going back to to the shooting of, of Abner Louima and you know like there there have been so many police killings of black people over the past uh, hundreds of just years just the whole but, country's entire the country's yeah, exactly, exactly. history exactly exactly so anybody <laughs> who, who just woke up today just woke up this week and said oh you know what I'm going to do I'm going to post a little picture I'm going to post a black square on Instagram that to me that like like, like okay great like, yes I'm glad that you're coming around to it I'm glad that you're starting to realize but but I don't I don't really let them off the hook for not having realized it before, you know? Right, right. And I would say that, um, I mean, some of us don't necessarily have the privilege to not let people off the hook, right? Yeah. Because we work in this industry, we collaborate with people, we work with people. And, you know, th like the food industry, it's not an industry where you exist in a vacuum. Um, we rely on one another um, to amplify our messages, to amplify our content, to get published. So um, when I said it was a first step, um, I'm only saying that because I did see people posting the black square and then the following day, I actually saw those same, some of those same people using their platforms, whether it's their brand or personal platform that they built, which we know is not easy and takes an incredible amount of work. And they use their platforms that second day to amplify other voices. Um, so that's why I said it was a first step. But yeah. when well, I think um, Samin Nusrat gets a lot of credit, she was the first person, at least that I saw doing that, posting pictures of many black people, including you, uh, saying these are shout people out you to should Samin. yeah shout exactly out to Samin. these are people she, you should be she following was a trailblazer yeah. and amplifying the, black voices this week yes exactly <laughs> um so i think maybe maybe some of it came from her um but i don't know what do you feel like are are ways that that a brand can can sort of respect what's going on acknowledge what's going on indicate a, a sincere desire to 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 think about this both personally right. and 
and for as a corporation. Like, right. Because that's also <laughs> what I've been trying to figure out. Is like, what's the like? If I if I don't like the black squares, what is acceptable? What what feels right. genuine? I don't know. Right. And I think I think that this is a very simple question, and so many people have answered it way more eloquently or thoroughly than I'm going to. But one is. Um, one answer is that money talks yeah. and money is power. So if you are a company or, and you are a corporation, do you, do you hire black people? Do you put black people in positions, um, of power within the organization? Um, obviously even you're like a, you're like a, two-person founder-owned, founder-run small company. So um, that's different, but um, well, it, uh, I think... Yeah. Oh, I don't well, think I'm, it's different. I mean, I don't, I don't let myself off the hook for that. We have... Uh, right, I mean, we don't have any other full-time employees other than myself and Ori, but we are two white men, and, and the inclination is going to be inherently to hire people who look like us because that's right. just the way that systems work and institutionalized racism works. And so... It's something right. that I'm I'm very aware of now. Ultimately, you know, eventually we're going to hopefully need to hire more people as the business grows. Uh, right. And so, what can we do now before we need to hire more people to make sure that right. that that we're not even doing our best? I think I think the idea of doing your best is is often a cop out, but right. like that we are we are actually uh, hiring people with a with an anti racist viewpoint in that hiring process or a. Um, Right. And so, I mean, there's one woman on Instagram. Her name is Ashton Berry. Her handle is The Collectress. And she has posted so many um, passionate videos explaining and breaking down these very things targeted at the food industry. She posts so many valuable resources. So I would direct anyone that is questioning how it is that they can contribute um, to to leading an anti-racist business or company or even working at one, um, I would direct them to her or also I would direct them to Google because um, like Siri, like you you can Google like how, how to be an anti-racist or, or something. And I think you're gonna find a lot of resources. And I think one thing that is always helpful um, are books. I think that the reality is like in our country, so, like so many of us have such vastly varied experiences. So if you grew up where Fox News was the only news on the television and you were kind of in this echo chamber of everyone who, who thinks how you think, um, you know, and you have, if you have not directly experienced racism and you haven't experienced it on a daily basis, I think reading a book about other people's experiences of it is a good place to start. And it's, yeah. a, and I think that another thing is, um, I think it's a lot to ask black people essentially you know, to kind of do this work. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, like, you know, damned if I do, damned if I don't, what is it that people want? And I think like the most basic answer to like, quote unquote, what we want, or at least my opinion of what I want is 
just equality. People just want to be treated like everyone else. We just happen to live in a country and a system that's founded on white supremacy and patriarchy also. And those two things, they intersect in very, very real ways. So in order to not be a part of that, you have to actively go against it. You can't just like passively go against it. And you're, yeah. you're, it's, a, it's a swim upstream. So we have to be active, actively choosing certain books to read, certain movies to watch. Um, there are people who have already done the work. They've done their life's research on talking about these things and explaining these things and making these resources available. So I think um, it's, it's up to us to go pick them up and find them and then to talk to other people in your life. Um, I know that like when it's election time, I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling my people and I'm making sure, you know, that that they go out and vote or people are checking in on me and doing the same thing. I think it's it's kind of like that same thing about like being a good citizen. Um, I think that being anti-racist, just like voting is a part of being a good citizen, because I think that it will be for the better of all of us um, to be a more inclusive place where where people feel like you know where people feel like they are being treated like everyone else yeah yeah um i, th I think uh did you see the ben and jerry's um statement that they released i did i did see that so what did you think of that well, um, do you want to pull, pull up what exactly it was so we can read it? And I'll just tell you what I thought about it really sure. quickly, which was, I think, acknowledge, acknowledging that maybe you have fallen short in the past is a great place to start for doing better in the future. And that's what, um, that's what Ben and Jerry's did. That's what Serious Eats did. They said, hey, we're looking at our editorial staff. And it all kind of looks the same. We need to do better. We are going to do better. So they gave us a specific way that we can hold them accountable for doing better in the future so that in two months or two years or two decades, we are not turning around and essentially having the same conversation. Because talking to my parents this week has been heartbreaking because they are experiencing a different type of sadness. It's not just like the sadness that this is our reality. It's the sadness that like, you know, my dad, he was in college in the late 60s at Southern University in Baton Rouge, which, which is a historically black college and university. And he literally like put his life on the line. They had the National Guard, so like someone pointed a gun in his face. He literally put his life on the line protesting um, so that hopefully the kids he hadn't even thought about yet could live in a world that is a little bit more fair. So talking to him and hearing the level of just heartbreak he feels that that things essentially to him, he's like, this feels just like the 60s. So, you know, as a brand, as a company, whether you're in food or otherwise, if you are acknowledging what you did and you're giving a specific way for us to hold you accountable to do better in the future, I think that is, that is a great step forward. 
Yeah, yeah, setting targets and and being public about them. Did you and, find the Ben and Jerry's quote? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have it here. Statement? I mean, it, it's a long it's a long statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, um, here, let's see. I was just I just lost the sentence. I was going to read, of course. Um, I mean, I, th I think two things really stand out to me in in the statement itself. One is that they make very clear uh, goals. They state their goals very clearly. We call upon President Trump, elected officials, to commit our nation to a formal process of healing and reconciliation. We call upon Congress to pass HR 40. Uh, we support, support Floyd's family's call to create a national task force. So they they really engage with this subject matter. They're not just it's not just a, a nod. I don't know if you read the Bon Appetit Adam Rappaport's. Bon Appetit letter, which I thought was infuriating, like worse than saying nothing at all. Um, it got a lot of traction on social media. I know that positive much. traction. I'm sorry. Positive traction or negative traction? Um, I, there was a lot of a lot of harsh criticism of it. Yeah, yeah, I think deserved. It was. It it just felt like you know similar to the Black Square thing, like just a, an easy an attempt to take credit for something that they weren't actually pursuing in a meaningful way. Um, and especially in a in a company that, to to my mind at least, has made an effort to hire uh, people in what what I see as a fairly tokenistic way. They you know they hire uh, an Indian woman to cook Indian dishes, and they hire a you know they've 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 built out their test kitchen with with you know like one of each, um, but uh, but have not done the work of engaging with uh, the cultures, cuisines, history, background. It's all about making recipes easy and accessible for, for presumably white audience. Um, hmm. and, 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 and this like aura of authenticity around it. Oh, I learned this from a, an Indian woman on Bon Appetit. So it's gotta be, you know, that word that we love authentic. Um, and, I think and so I felt like, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I just felt like his letter was, was very much a, an extension of that same, you know, half-assed attempt to take credit without actually doing the work. I mean, I think food media is in a very unique position because food is is different than a lot of other industries because we all have to eat, right? Like you have like, I don't know, like the beauty industry. It's like everyone might not be into makeup or the interior design folks. And it's like everyone might not do that. But food, we all eat. And food, you know, it's food we we've known that food has been political from from farmers growing it to it being sold you know or or restaurants preparing it but i think in food media i think the burden on us is higher because food literally goes into people's homes you have recipes that people are intimately engaging with um, people intimately engage with food content so I think, I think that it's fair to hold food media to a higher standard um, about how it is that they are, that they are truly being representative of not just the food that, that's being made or being recipe tested, but just um, their audience, their audience in general. I think they have, they have a unique powerful beautiful burden and not burden but beautiful um just something to aspire to to do better a standard that i think it's fair that we hold them to so um 
you know, sometimes we have to take our medicine, right? Um, and if, if, if receiving harsh criticism is one way that people might kind of understand how it is that they are contributing to the status quo, if, if that's the case, then, um, then take your medicine, get dragged yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, going back to the the Alice and Roman conversation we had with Stephen, as well, right? Like, like you 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 make a mistake and and you get called out for it, and and I think there's a lot of po- I mean that winds up hopefully moving things in the right direction, uh, creates this feedback loop that I think has not largely exist in, existed in food media prior to right. very recently. And I will tell you one thing: I know that like. In the past couple of days, I have definitely seen um, black people who are writers, contributors, journalists, freelancers, I have seen them be honest and give that harsh feedback and that criticism and do it even publicly sometimes in ways that I have never seen before. And the reason is simple, like if this is your livelihood and this is something you love, then, you know, you are essentially, you have to operate in the rules that are there. But something in the past couple of days has kind of emboldened people to be more honest. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And and this, this you know, the sort of endless refrain, at least from white people speaking to other white people that, you know, this may be uncomfortable and this may be difficult. I think it's actually, it's more than that. Like it has, if it isn't uncomfortable, you're not doing it right. Like if, if you think this process is easy, if you're not uh, struggling with under, as a, you know, speaking to white people, if you're not, if you're not struggling with your complicitness in everything that's happening now and everything that has happened in, in the history of our country, then, then you're not engaging with it like you don't if you're not worked up about it you don't understand what's going on that know? is that's a very good point and um, I think I think it is important like you said um, that that discomfort is the only thing that's gonna kind of make space um, for growth to happen um, and I guess in a way I guess I, I feel I feel a, a little more energized today than I have earlier this week because I do want to mention, um, you know, the positive amplification efforts that have been done um, within food media particularly. And as you mentioned, I think Samin was like the leader in that and she kind of opened up the space um, so that other people felt a little more comfortable joining in. Um, I will say, you know, we know who the people are who do the work 365. It's not a secret. We know, we know what publications, we know what individuals, we know who they are, who, who, who celebrate, who truly celebrate diverse people from diverse backgrounds and I'm using quote unquote diversity because it's appropriate for many people who truly do celebrate all types of people um, which is going against the grain and um, I just want to say that like that frustration of that a lot of people are feeling with this like why now 
I want to applaud the efforts because um, I think they are impactful and they do make a difference. Um, and I want to challenge all of us um, to do better in the future. And um, yeah, I mean, again, thank you to Samin and thank you to everyone who, you know, if the first time that you amplified a black voice was today, like, welcome. <laughs> Don't make it the last day. Yeah. And let's not forget, it's also Pride Month. And we can also take this opportunity to talk about um, and to amplify voices of, of people in the, in the LGBTQI plus community who are also black and indigenous people of color. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and just really pushing other entrepreneurs, especially white entrepreneurs, especially white male entrepreneurs, to to think more deeply about the ways that racism is baked into their businesses. That it's not this is not an easy fix. It's not a it's not a flick a switch and and solve the problem for yourself. It's a it's a process of of introspection and improvement and and difficult work that has to be done by you. It's not, you know, hiring a black person doesn't solve your problem. Um, so. It doesn't, but it will at least, hopefully, if you give that person the space, it will at least possibly save you from making some major missteps um, and, I don't know, being tone deaf during a major movement like this one. Yeah, but but even then, you know, I, I'm I don't give people that much credit that that uh, we should be hiring people for more than more than that ability, right? To 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 protect us from oh no a mistake, no that, that's you know a perk I mean? that's a bonus yeah, right, right, no right. no 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 um, and you need more than one like if you're a big organization oh my gosh to be that one person in the room the burden that they feel it's too much on any one person. Um, Again, all we want really is like, uh, you know, let me just go on and quote Dr. King, like literally just judge us for who we are and not what race we are. That's mm. all we want. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's really hard for a lot of people to do. <laughs> well, listen, I think, um, I think that's a wrap. If people want, if people want some marching orders, I, I'm going to just reiterate again. Her name is Ashton Berry and her social media handle is the collectress. Um, she's also a, a, one of the founders of um, this amazing radical food conference that I went to in 2019 called radical exchange. Um, and she's honest, so you have to be ready, but you know, I think it's important that, that we take this moment, like the least we can do is like, is hear what people are saying about racism. Um, and I'm using we like in a very odd way, but I often think I'm like, if you can't read the story or, or watch a difficult movie, like think about how hard it is for us that have to live it. Like, it's hard. It's exhausting. That's why I couldn't even invite, I, I, I have several guests I, I can't wait to have on here, but I know how tired they are after this week. 
we are exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also I also recommend that people check out all of the people who Samin uh, pointed them to, but in particular Tunde Wei, read his uh, read the the piece that he's wrote in not, I think it was in nine parts on Instagram about uh, systemic racism in the restaurant industry and why he wants to burn the restaurant industry down. Uh, if you're looking for for specific black owned food projects to donate to. Tunde is also um, supporting a chef named Omar Tate, who's uh, had a pop-up series for the last couple of years called Honeysuckle, uh, in raising money to open his his own brick and mortar restaurant. Um, so oh, I would, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, I would suggest that people look into that and and go to a fucking protest. Like, what the fuck are you waiting for? This is not not you, Valerie, right? Like, the, anybody who's listening, if you have not been to a protest, if you uh, are not immunocompromised, if you are not uh, protecting people who are immediately living with you. Go to a protest. Go to one in a park. Go to one on a on a big street. It's and it wear is a possible. mask, please. Wear a mask. Please wear a mask. <laughs> Bring a lot of hand sanitizer. I've I've been to protests uh, three days in the last five days, and it is absolutely possible to be distant and participate and and you know put your white body on the line for once uh, in a way that that is not uh, super risky. You know, in I, the entire day, uh, day before yesterday, I was all over lower Manhattan with various groups of protesters. I, was just, I went to the rally at Stonewall um, and, and there were very few police officers. I didn't witness any instances of police violence, although I know there were some. Um, and it was, it was easy to, to participate and still feel safe. And so if that's your concern, I think uh, you should get over it and go out anyway. Hmm. I will say, <laughs> I personally have experienced police violence at a protest in this city. Um, however, as Ethan said, if you stick to the daytime, um, your risk will be less. At the same time, I think we all do need to realize when we are protesting, that is, that is a part of it. That's like an essential part of it is, um, you know... It is, it is a possibility that, that there are going to be risks and, and to still go out and take those risks is, um, I think is a great and empowering thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. I'm going back out today. Uh, it feels, it feels good to participate and, uh, and it's important. It's important. I don't, right. there's nothing else to say about it. Yeah. All right. So on that note, um, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for listening to us ramble uh, on this episode, and definitely please um, go back and listen to the episode that we recorded last week with Stephen Satterfield. Uh, listen to some of the the many black guests we've had on over the last couple of years, um, and uh, seek out other food media that that highlights black people and black creation and black voices. See you guys um, next week. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for those of us running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, which means the way they shop for food is changing. I've seen the shift happen at Burlap & Barrel, the single-origin spice company that I founded with my friend Ori Zohar. Because we have an online store and we can ship orders, it's a safe and healthy way for home cooks to get spices delivered right to their doors. Now, people are more curious than ever about the ethics and sustainability around food, 
and it's a great opportunity for us to talk about Burlap and Barrel's social mission while growing our business so that we can continue to support our partner farmers around the world. If you run a restaurant, farm, or other small food business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is Square Online Store. Let's you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep your customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all of your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash why food. Why Food is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.